is sad. Now you take that image and you compare it to Paul. Paul wasn't all that old. He certainly had means. He was part of the Sanhedrin. So he had authority. He had his strength. And he had his youth. And what do we see him doing with those resources? Not just one time, but a continual pouring out of his life. He gets down to the end of his life, or what may be the end of his life, and he says something like this to the Philippians um, and in verse 16. So, you know, it, even if nothing of my life comes to any result, just knowing that I am that uh, drink offering, that, that sacrifice that goes alongside the real sacrifice. You now, the real sacrifice is Jesus, how he you know, died to forgive us of our sins and give us uh, eternal life. That's the, the real sacrifice. But the drink offering was the one that goes beside it. And Paul is saying, if I could just be the one, the, the, the drink offering that goes beside the, the real sacrifice so that you could be encouraged, strengthened by that, my life would be worth that. And so he encourages not only the Philippians, he's encouraging himself with this thought. Now, what I want us to see here is the connection between generosity and having a life without regrets. To pour out your life does not mean to waste it. On the contrary, when you pour your life out in service to the Lord, you discover that which brings ultimate satisfaction, that which guarantees a life without regret. So, what is this thing? that you had the opportunity of doing that will make sure that you live a life without regret. I've held you in, in suspense all this time and the answer is found for us in this verse. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You see there the last phrase, uh, that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He's saying he doesn't have any regrets and then verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Now here is indication, I think strong evidence, uh, that Paul was Southern. Um, he said, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. He, he didn't say, I'm glad and rejoice with you guys. Uh, so there you go. But what is... Paul talking about here? He's, he's talking about an opportunity. First, we see Paul revealing his motive to live a life without regret. And then we see him pointing to the means for achieving what he is motivated to go after. Um, so we see the, the, the motive and we see the means. So uh, since we've seen that, it's time to reveal the opportunity. That is the, the thing that will make sure you live a life without regret. So, what do we have the opportunity of doing that will ensure a life without regret? It's revealed to us in these verses that we've been looking at. 
Um, and I want us to remember, uh, before we take a closer look, uh, to remember the context. Uh, you know, Paul is in prison. Roman soldiers could come for him at any time. And uh, he is explaining um, that when that happens, uh, should that happen, uh, he will regard that as a, a drink offering, as his life being poured out for their benefit. That, would, that doesn't really resonate with us so much uh, because, you know, the man who's writing to, uh, to the Philippians, we're just third parties looking on. So we're not the recipients. So we're not the author of the letter. We're not part of the culture that's going on. Um, but this would have resonated deeply with the Philippians. There was a famous battle that was fought some 500 years before um, the time that Paul is writing to the Philippians, uh, the Battle of Marathon. Uh, you've probably uh, heard of uh, a marathon, you know, the, the race. Um, but it takes its origin in, in this battle of the Greeks against the Spartans. The, the Spartans had the Greeks outnumbered by a margin of three to one. And the Greeks, uh, nonetheless, were victorious in battle. And so they sent a messenger to take this good news back to Athens. And uh, the, the distance from Marathon to Athens was 26 point something miles, you know, whatever the marathon is. And so uh, they, they chose their star athlete, Pheidippides. Um, how would you like to have a name like that? You know, Pheidippides, that's... What do you call him for short? Fip or Dip? I, I don't know. But anyway, he was a, a star athlete, so... Uh, and he, he had also been injured in the battle, but, but uh, this man ran his heart out to get back to Athens. And uh, people would stand on the walls, you know, scanning the horizon uh, to uh, you know, await news from a, a messenger. You know, it would be life-changing news. You know, there was no media in those days where they could you know, broadcast from the scene. Uh, they had Twitter accounts where uh, you know, uh, word gets out uh, Im immediately from lots of different sources. Uh, there was no source uh, but from the runner, the messenger. In ancient days, uh, they called someone who, who ran like that to bring good news an evangelist. It's, that term was not a religious term. It was part of the Greek culture. And so when Philippides uh, runs, um, his heart is pounding. He gets close to the gates of the city. And uh, as, as he does, he, he has just enough breath to say, rejoice as we rejoice. And so the, the people of Athens are thrilled. It's good news. But this man, Pheidippides, has poured out his life in order to bring that good news. Because with the utterance of that last bit of news, rejoice, as we rejoice, he collapsed and died. Bringing good news is expensive. It requires more than just reading or listening. 
it requires somebody, lots of somebodies, to pour out their lives so that we can benefit from that. What Paul is saying to the Philippians, if I can be the one, like this marathon runner, you know, who pours his life out to bring you words of life, that's what will make me deeply satisfied. And so, if we could put a label on this thing, that if you could have it, it would bring you a life without regret, bring you deep satisfaction. What will we call it? I would give it this label. Doing what you can to help others become more Christ-like. There is a word in the Bible called sanctification, the process of becoming more like Christ. We don't use that word too much, but we understand Christ-likeness. Do you know that the process of making others or helping others become more Christ-like is costly, not only in the sense of money, certainly that, you know, books and education and that sort of thing is, is expensive. But it's also costly in the way that we spend other currencies. You know, the song that we sang, you know, take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. And then there's another line there about intellect. Do you know that you have intellectual currency? There are things that are stored up in you that you can pass along to someone else that will make a difference in their life. Might not come easily. You might have to think hard, work diligently at making it, reducing it down to something that, that makes sense. That requires spending a lot of intellectual currency. Previously in this series, we talked about spending the currency of forgiveness. There's lots of currencies that you have to draw from in order to help somebody else become more Christ-like. And in the process of doing that, you know what happens? You think about Paul and the rich young ruler again, how the one who had everything turned away from the invitation that Jesus extended. And the result was that he was filled with regret. He walked away sad. But here is Paul who has given everything. He's poured out his life. He's about to be executed. Anytime he has that hanging over his head. And he is gushing with joy. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of outlook on life? You know, um, if you would go to Africa, somewhere in Africa, not exactly sure where, but there is a, a mission outpost that's been there for, for some years. Started back in the early part of the 20th century. So uh, they, they still have a, a, a building there. there. There's a compound. And out behind the main building, 
there is a, a, a cemetery. And uh, there are about 60 graves there of men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. So half of those graves, maybe more than half, are children. Most of them who died in the first few weeks of life. But in the early part of the 20th century, life expectancy of a missionary to Africa was about eight years. In that cemetery, there is a grave with a man's name and then the dates, 1919 to 1953. And the marker reads this, placed in loving memory by his wife and children. And then underneath, those words were two more words, abundantly satisfied. Let us pray. Lord, as we consider what you said to us through the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, may we be May we come away with a, a strong sense of what it costs others in order for us to have a knowledge of you, a clear understanding of your gospel, and also the, the means and the opportunity uh, to share with others this life-changing message. Encourage us to be encouragers, to give freely, not only of resources, but to give freely of who we are, to pour ourselves out for the sake of your gospel, for the sake that others might hear it, believe it, and continually be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.